Bibles, join me in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, If you do not have a Bible, there should be one somewhere nearby, solid colored Bible. Uh, Feel free to grab that one and follow along with us. And uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 14. Uh, This Sunday we continue our study of the book of Acts uh, with Acts chapter 14 verses 1 through 7. Full disclosure though, I am very specifically going to apply this passage to what's happening in our uh, in and around the church this weekend. So a very specific application of this passage. I'm going to preach primarily, I think there will be benefit for others, but I'm going to preach primarily to future pastors, future pastors. Uh, This week I've asked Joshua Brown and his lovely family to sit up front, and uh, you you did. You made the big move one one row forward. They are faithful towards the front sitters, uh, but they moved one row forward, so very excited for that. Uh, so they're up front. Uh, Joshua is one of our elders here at the church. Uh, that means that he was examined and affirmed by our uh, current elders and congregation. Uh, and so he was affirmed as an elder about a year and a half ago. He has been serving our local church as a pastor elder uh, for about a year and a half. Um, But in the same period of time, and even started before that, he's been contemplating uh, what would it look like after his Marine Corps career is over to be sent out and to pastor in another church. And so uh, in our context and our culture, what we tend to do is we invite other church pastors from other churches to come and examine his fitness for the office of pastor elder. And so this past Friday, that happened. Uh, We brought uh, pastors from elsewhere. We had one of our um, a pastor from Pillar Church of Woodlawn and our family of churches from Northern Virginia come down. Uh, we had other ter- uh, churches in our area, so from Centerview Baptist Church and from uh, North Topsail Baptist Church, our director of missions uh, slash associational missionary from, the, uh, from our association was here. Uh, so we had several ordained pastors come and sit around a table and uh, Joshua shared what his doctrinal beliefs were, and then he had to defend those with uh, the other pastors in the room. Uh, Just for a point of reference, the process this past Friday took about four and a half hours uh, on Friday afternoon, and so uh, I I don't think it was easy. It wasn't really meant to be easy, uh, but also hopefully very encouraging as well. I'm pleased to say that these pastors from our sister churches join the members and the pastors of our church in affirming Joshua's call to gospel ministry. They affirm his fitness for the office of pastor elder. At the end of our service this morning, we're going to pray over Joshua as he continues to prepare for whatever the Lord has for him after his Marine Corps career in pastoral ministry. So we look forward to sending him out. Also here this morning is Daniel Carter. A lot of you guys got to meet Daniel and Rochelle, and we just uh, prayed for them earlier this morning. Uh, Daniel is working and preparing to plant uh, Pillar Church of San Diego uh, this summer. Uh, His sending church slash mother church, which is, uh, J.D. already said this, but that is uh, Pillar 
Oceanside, so we sent out Pillar Oceanside. They are sending out Daniel and Rochelle and his partner Gabe and uh, his wife Misty. And so uh, we're going to be a grandmother church if you follow the analogy again. Uh, And so uh, we have planted two churches as the mother church and Pillar Oceanside has sent out two churches as well, Pillar Okinawa and then soon to be Pillar uh, San Diego. So we're a grandmother twice over. Uh, We're excited for that. Uh, We celebrate uh, new birth and so we're very excited for that. And so I definitely have these two men in mind as I preach uh, and so I am preaching to future pastors. But I also have in mind men in this room who may be future pastors and are wrestling through a call to the pastorate, maybe even now. That God would use this sermon, other sermons like it, your personal study in the Word, your uh, interaction in and around the local church. God would use those things to call you into gospel ministry. We expect that that will happen in and around our congregation. We expect it. We don't expect that, oh, pastors are made somewhere else. We don't assume that pastors are made in the halls of seminaries. No, no, no. Pastors are made and grown in the local church. Seminaries help us in that role. Okay, Uh, And so I very much have in mind men that I may not even know your name uh, that God may be calling you to such a call. Um, I pray that you pay attention as well. And I think there will be uh, beneficial aspects to others as well. Cassandra, did we get it or no? We did? Sweet. So what does a pastor do, right? So we're talking about pastors. We're like this weird animal. Nobody knows what we do. Like we figure out, okay, 45 minutes a week you yell at us, uh, but what do you do the rest of the week? So uh, I'm sure it's hard to read in the back, but uh, top left, what my friends think I do is play golf all day. Uh, I'm nursing a shoulder injury, so I don't, but JD plays golf uh, all day, every day. Um, So that's what he does as pastor. Uh, What my mother thinks I do is stand up and hold signs, the end is near. Uh, what society thinks I do, so we have some mega church pastors, unfortunately, that are uh, touting the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, false gospel, and so they just uh, ask everybody to send their money in, and so that guy's sitting around counting money if you can't see that. What my congregation thinks I do is sit around and eat fried chicken. I'm not sure where that, where that came from. I did not make this, by the way. I just stole this off the internet. Um, there was another one, a similar version of this, and it was like a pile of books and a guy just like stressing out as he studied. Maybe that's what y'all think we do. Uh, what I think I do, this is a picture of like Moses, like declaring oracles of God. So that's what we think we do sometimes. And then what I really do, it's a guy in a suit, like cleaning a toilet. Um, and so there's, uh, there's aspects of all of those things in pastoral ministry. Uh, sometimes we do clean up around here. Uh, quite often we do some of those types of things. Uh, we do study. We do eat a lot of casseroles, especially in a Southern Baptist church. Uh, and so we do a lot of those things. Fried chicken. We, we do lots of things. So there's certainly truth in all of those pictures. But one of the primary roles of the pastor, one of the primary roles of the pastor is to preach the Word of God to people. Sometimes it will be to large gatherings. Sometimes it will be to small groups. 
You will preach to congregations gathered together like this one on Sunday mornings. You will preach to small groups on weeknights or weekend evenings. You'll do pastoral care and discipleship where you meet with people one-on-one or you meet with a couple or you meet with a few folks. Honestly, you'll even preach to yourself. Right? So when, when all of a sudden there's discouragement and there's difficulty, you need to preach to yourself. You need to be able to, to speak the Word of God into your own life. You're going to have to, of course, speak the Word of God to your family. So one of the primary roles of a pastor is to preach the Word of God. So the title for the sermon this morning is Preach the Word. Preach the Word. And we'll see in our passage as we continue in Acts, this is a almost a softball passage for this type of a sermon. Pick it up with me in Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now at Iconium, they, this is uh, Paul and Barnabas, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Short passage this morning uh, by our Uh, typical rhythm through the book of Acts. But in our passage this morning, we're going to see two pastors uh, who happen to be apostles as well. Two pastors, apostles. They're going to speak the Word or they're going to preach the Word in various settings and circumstances. The author of our passage, Luke, He uses uh, a few different words to describe speaking and preaching. He actually uses three different Greek words in in our English Standard Version. If you're in uh, the the English translation that I'm reading, it's worded like this. In verse 1, it just simply says that they spoke. They just spoke. In verse 3, we see that they were speaking boldly, a little different thrust of a word there. And then in verse 7, it says that they were preaching the gospel. They began and continued to preach the gospel, a very specific word, uh, basically that means to good news people, one one word in the original language. So we're going to walk through it like this, grabbing those three threads. We're to preach the word, and we're to preach expectantly. We are to preach boldly, and we are to preach always. So the first, first one of those in verses 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, preach expectantly. Preach expectantly. Paul and Barnabas, uh, who are the main characters of our passage in this section of Acts, they arrive to a new location. They arrive in Iconium. And if you were to back up just a couple of verses back at the end of chapter 13, 
and you were to wonder, I wonder why they've come to this new location, you would very quickly find out that they have come to a new location because they were persecuted and driven out of the previous town and the previous place of ministry. And so now they've arrived in Iconium as their new place of ministry. But Paul and Barnabas are not deterred from speaking the word. Notice in verse 1 that they show up into a new town and the first thing they do now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke. I want to take just a short side trip for a second. I want you to notice that they entered the synagogue together. Okay? We firmly believe that pastoral ministry is done together. We send out church planters in twos. Jesus sent His disciples out in twos. Man, we would love to send people out in three to five. Like We want to send people out. You heard uh, J.D. talking about uh, uh, Daniel's partner, Gabe. Right? We want to send people together. This church was planted, myself and John Ransom, and we, we partnered together in this work. Uh, Pillar Church of Oceanside was planted with uh, John Ransom and Trace Martinez working together. This church is led not by one pastor, but a plurality of pastors. If this is new to you, you're probably like, what are you talking about? Like, You're up there as a pastor. The other guy was up there as a pastor. You're talking about another dude that's pastor. There's another one that's walking in with his kids that's a pastor of the church. Right? We, we lead as a plurality of pastors and elders. We do this together. Paul and Barnabas definitely do this together. Even when they split up, they each find another guy to go with them. We do this together. That's a sub-point, not even really. That's like a side trip. So they walk in together to the synagogue and they speak the word, but they don't just speak the word in any old way. They speak the word, it says, in such a way that two things happen. Two things happen. Number one, a great number of Jews and Greeks believe. And number two, another group of people rise up against them, gather other people to rise up against them. It uses this word, it poisons their minds against the apostles, against the brothers. So there's two results of preaching. People believe, and people rise up against them. Brothers, Joshua, Daniel, future pastors, you should preach the Word expectantly. Where the Word of God is rightly preached, two things will happen. There will be people who believe the message, and there will be people who hate you for bringing the message. Those things will happen. You are to live expectant of this reality. You are to live in perpetual optimism, knowing that when you preach the Word of God, there will be people who respond in true belief. You should be a perpetual optimist. You should also be a perpetual realist. You should live in perpetual realism, knowing that there will be people who hate you for the message. Where do you think phrases like, don't shoot the messenger, came from? Because sometimes people shoot the messenger. Perhaps the Apostle Paul had this scene in mind when he wrote these words to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Preach the word, preach it expectantly, and secondly, preach boldly. 
Preach boldly. In verses 3 through 5, we see this. Preach boldly. Pick it up with me in verse 3. Verse 3 it says, so there's rising poison mind against them. Right? Verse 3, so what did they do? They remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them. We'll get to the rest here in a second. So they preach... Paul and Barnabas speak the words of God until the town is divided. Some of the town they side with Paul and Barnabas and the other apostles and believers. And then others they side against them. But they remain there. They remain there for a long time, it says. And they continue to speak the word boldly. They speak the word boldly all the way up until the point they're about to be stoned. Brothers, I want to tell you, there are far too many weak-willed, spineless, scared little boys standing behind pulpits this morning. They concern themselves with saying things that will keep people in the pews and keep people tithing and keep their job and keep the peace and every other concern on the planet except being faithful to the Word of God. We have no intention of raising up and sending out such men as pastors. We intend you to be men. We intend you to be bold. We intend you to preach the Word of God boldly. They may beat you. They may imprison you. They may do all sorts of heinous things. You may say, well, right up until the point they stone, then I run away like Paul did. Understand the context of this passage in the greater New Testament. The Apostle Paul was not afraid of beatings. He was not afraid of imprisonment. He will face all of these quite boldly throughout the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. He left in this particular time because he thought it prudent to do so, but he will take all of them. I want you to look around our culture. I want you to pay attention to what's going on. Lines are being drawn. Lines that used to be blurry. For most of our lifetime, there have been lines that are blurry. Right? People claim to be Christians. People, claim, people even go to church. They put on a badge that says, I'm a Christian. And it's really blurry who's legitimate Christians and who are not. Lines are being Drawn lines are becoming clearer. So-called country club churches where people go just to be known are dying slow deaths. Slow deaths. Especially in the South. It takes a while. They're dying slow, painful deaths. Churches are not a place to gain political footholds. Churches are not supposed to be a place for you to gather business for your real estate or your law firm. Churches are to be a place, they're to be an entity to make Jesus known to the nations and the gates of hell are not able to prevail against it. Perhaps you have heard that the church in America is declining. Anybody seen an article about that? There's lots of articles. Ah, the church in America is declining. Let me tell you, that is fake news. That is fake news. It's not true. 
It's not true. What you are seeing, the true church is not declining. The true church is growing. What's happening is that lines are being drawn. Where it used to be popular to look like you were on the side of the Christians, that is changing. And those who just want to be popular are no longer claiming to be Christians. They're following on the other side of popularity. So this is happening. As this happens, as this continues to happen in our day, you need to know where the Bible stands and you need to preach it. You need to preach it expectantly. You need to preach it boldly. And thirdly, you need to preach always. In verses 6 and 7, preach always. At the end of our passage, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they do uh, leave from stoning. By the way, if you have the opportunity to faithfully leave from stoning, you probably should. Okay. If you have to recant your Christianity, then don't do that. But if you just have to move locations, that can be an okay and permissible thing to do. So they leave from one town to another town, and they keep preaching the gospel. I love the Apostle Paul. I just, I just love him. As far as dead guys go, like I don't have many heroes that surpass the Apostle Paul. Uh, one pastor just wrote a book, Why I Love the Apostle Paul, and it is a great little read about why he loves the Apostle Paul. I have those reasons and other reasons why I love the Apostle Paul. But one thing I love about the Apostle Paul, the guy is all in. Like Whatever he does, he is all in. In. So, when he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he thought Jesus was a false Messiah and a blasphemer, he was out to stop the rebellion and kill or imprison everyone who followed this so-called false Messiah. He was all in. He was persecuting the church. He was doing everything within his power to stop the spread of Christianity. Then he meets the risen Jesus. He meets him on the road to Damascus. His life drastically changes, and he's still all in. He is all in on advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he would encourage you and I to do the same thing. Towards the end of his life, Paul wrote this to his younger protege, Timothy, in the pastorate. In 2 Timothy, he writes this, I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's one to highlight. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. That's a... That's one. I don't know what in season and out of season means. I think it just means preach all the time. Right? When you feel good, when you don't feel good, when you feel like people are listening, when you don't feel like people are listening, whatever the situation is, you preach. Preach always. Preach the Word. Preach expectantly. Preach boldly. Preach always. This is our charge from the Lord. Now, there's kind of two directions we could go to land the plane at this point. Uh, I want to bring others into the conversation. I want to bring others into this passage. 
Um, I could spend time talking about how we're all called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are. So if you're a Christian, you are called to speak the word boldly. All of these things are true uh, for all of us. But the other way I would like to land the plane is to talk about congregational responsibility towards pastors, specifically regarding preaching. Number one, we should listen expectantly. We should listen expectantly. It is impossible. So if you take what I just said to pastors and preachers, it is impossible to sit under faithful preaching and teaching and remain unchanged. It is, rem- it is impossible to sit under faithful preaching and teaching for an extended period of time and hang out in a middle ground. Right? It's just not possible. And so we should come expecting to be changed by the preaching of the Word of God. Did you think about that as you were driving here this morning? Did you think, man, I am coming expecting to be changed by the Word of God? As you walked up the stairs, even if this is your first time, you're like, what, a sanctuary is upstairs? That's weird, okay. So you're walking upstairs and you come in. Like, were you expecting, I, I just pray, whatever happens in this church, I just pray that the Word of God is preached and that I am changed by the Word of God. We should listen expectantly. We should also listen boldly. And you're like, how in the world do I boldly listen? We should gather together with the church and fight to sit under the preached Word of God. If you find yourself, and I understand most of us uh, are military, a lot of you are still active duty military, and you can be moved at at a whim, just like Ty and Brittany that we just prayed for. And you're going to go and you're going to search for churches. Just don't tolerate somebody who reads one verse of the Bible, closes the Bible, walks away, and tells a bunch of feel-good stories. Don't tolerate it. Don't sit under that for a prolonged period of time. Find a place where the Word of God is preached and preached faithfully, and sit under those men. Listen boldly. That that involves prioritizing sitting under the preached Word. Prioritize it. Discipline your bladder to be able to sit for an hour and a half service. Right? Like, are we good? Are we we tracking? Like, it's okay. I understand it takes some time to discipline children to sit through an hour and a half service as well, but, but gird up yourself. Get ready for that to discipline your children to be able to sit through an hour and a half service. We can do it if they can sit. By the time they can sit through an entire Disney movie, they should be able to sit through an entire uh, church service. I didn't hear any amens, but okay, I got a... All right, we're good. If they can sit through an entire Disney movie, they can sit through an entire church service. I get it. I'm not as exciting, right, as a Disney movie, but JD's more exciting than me, maybe. Come to church when it's inconvenient. Come to church when it's dangerous. If they make it illegal to sit under live preaching, come and sit under live preaching. If they put us in jail... Pick the most faithful person imprisoned with you and stand and proclaim the Word of God. You hear what I'm saying? Some of you are like, this ain't going to happen in my lifetime. Okay. Okay. I think most of us get it though. We also need to listen always. Listen always. No Christian 
has arrived. No Christian has arrived. Even if Joshua or Daniel or anyone else in here gains a large following, if you gain high degrees, you get letters after your name, right? And so people call you doctor or whatever else they might call you. I don't know. Maybe you get a large church. Man, Daniel, you're going to be in like a big city. We don't even know what that's like. You're in San Diego. Man, you may have 10,000 people coming to hear you preach. Don't be above. Do not be above listening. You might be a multiplying church. You might plant a hundred churches. You might lead your church to do so. Do not ever cease to be a learner. Do not ever cease to be a listener. Do not ever cease to be one who sits under the faithful preaching of the Word of God by other pastors. I understand sometimes around here you got some folks get frustrated like there's a different preacher every week. Well, praise God, that means that every once in a while we get to sit under preaching, not just to be preachers. I leave you, gentlemen, with this text. Honestly, this is a good text for all of us. In the book of Ezra, chapter 7 and verse 10, we get a beautiful summary statement of what Ezra dedicated his life to. That's a good one. That's a good memory verse for us. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it. Study the law of the Lord, do it, apply it in your own life, and teach it to somebody else. Dedicate your life to those three things. The Lord will bless it and build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we know because You told us You inspired the Apostle Paul to write to his young protege Timothy that there was a time coming when people would not endure sound teaching, but instead having itching ears, they would accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they would turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. God, it feels like so often that we are part of those times. But God, I thank you for the encouragement right after that. That those of us who are preachers and those of us who are pastors and really all Christians who are to proclaim the Word of God, we are to be sober-minded. We are to endure suffering. We are to do the work of an evangelist. And we are to fulfill our ministry. God, I pray for Joshua. I pray for Daniel. I pray for the other pastors of this church, myself and J.D. and Paul. God, I pray for men who are sitting here who are testing and examining a call to pastoral ministry. God, I pray that you would help us to live this out. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.